1: Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that we will understand our identity in you. Father, that we would seek you, your kingdom, your righteousness, and your word says that all these things shall be added unto us. Father, I pray as we had already prayed this morning that I know that lives have already been changed. Lives have already been transformed. Healing has already come chains have already been broken, and Father, that we would remember to rest in you, to rest of the inheritance that we have in you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I'd asked a couple weeks ago, I think many of you are uh, reading that chapter in the Bible over and over. Uh, some of you might be called to do, you know, read the Bible through in a year. That's great. Uh, some of us are called just to read a scripture over and over and over and over and over and over until it really becomes part of who we are. And I'd encourage you to continue to read Ephesians 1. You, you open the Bible and say, Lord, where do you want me to read? Read Ephesians 1 over and over and over again. And the reason why I say that is During this series, what we have been talking about is the whole kinds of things of the idols that we are facing and the things that we have to lay before Him, how do we have to walk in obedience, and we began to talk about how from our identity comes our activity. When we truly know who we are in Christ, when we truly understand our identity in Him, it leads to activity. Activity. It leads to the things that he would have us go do, and I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, but before I get there, I, you know what? God is so awesome. He continues to confirm the words that he has over this church over and over and over again, and there was a word that came from a prophetic voice out of, the, out of Australia, I believe that it is, and it is a word that has taken every word that God has had for our church and like melded it into one and said, this is for now. This is for this church. This is for this people. And I want to read just a couple highlights of it because it needs to get you excited about what God is doing. He is confirming his word. He always says he confirms his word. In this word, it says, there's going to be an acceleration of alignment an acceleration of alignment amongst the church, amongst the staff, amongst multiple churches in the area. And I'm telling you, church, he is already doing that word. It says in Deuteronomy 1.11, May the Lord, the God of your fathers, add to you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you just as he has promised you. Church, I don't know if you know this, but the Lord is adding daily to his church. And we had a word several, several months back that the Lord was adding to this church, but to the church in general in Erie, 30,000 people. And it was a word from the Lord that was, that as I, I saw it and I counted how many people were here on a Wednesday night, and there was 30, and he said a 1,000 for everyone who was standing here. Church. Talk, that's a revival to me. And I don't know how many people are in Erie or how many people already attend church, But if you're going to add 30,000 to them, I'm pretty sure that God is going to start doing something pretty big in our midst. He showed that this alignment is coming over the year 2020, which is the Hebraic year of 5780, and it's bigger than you can imagine. Bigger than you can imagine. So if you remember, God had gave a word for us, and we're just like, well, we see this church growing, we see 500 people, we see this thing, and immediately, Brother Paul gave a word back to us as, your vision is too small. So this is like, this word here is confirming all of the stuff that God has told us. It says, don't fight the alignment and the new alignments. 2020 is not going to look as 2019 has, for the Lord is doing major overhauls. What has been done in 2019 was not bad or wrong, but we're crossing over into some of the greatest alignments by the hand of the Lord that we have ever seen. It says, I heard the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathways of your life. I will advise you along the way. I will lead you forth with the eyes, with my eyes as your guide, so don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug you or pull you along, just come with me. The Lord is taking us places. He's taking you places. This word is for us as a church, which means it's a word for you and your family. Then it says clear skies ahead. How many of us have been facing some difficult times, some challenging times in our life? I'm raising my hand. I don't, know, I don't see a whole lot of people. It's okay. We can be honest in here. Some difficult, cha- clear skies ahead. And when Liz and I were at that conference a week and a half ago, there was a girl that we barely even knew came up to us, and she basically started prayed over, praying over us that the skies basically will be clear, that the fruit of the Lord is available. It's not going to be hard to get. It's not, we're not going to have to toil after it anymore. How many of you are done toiling in our own strength, after what God has for our life. These times are going to be over, in Jesus' name. Then you shall see and be radiant, this is Isaiah 60, verse 5, your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nation shall come to you. This is like what we've been talking about. And so I like, I want to call this lady up and be like, have you been reading our mail? You know, have you been showing up in our staff meetings? Do you like attend our church via like Facebook Live? Like, and the Lord's just like, of course she doesn't do that. If this is the Lord using a prophetic voice to confirm the prophetic voices that he has given us at this church and what he has for us. The word is a major increase of provision for his new vision in 2020. The word says there are going to be a major wealth transfers at unprecedented levels to do what? To extend the kingdom of God. Come on, church. Major wealth transfers to expand the kingdom of God. The Lord said to expect the unexpected. This is exciting to me because Liz said, You know how I love miracles? I like to write miracles down. Well, we have come to expect some miracles. Which means that if we are need to begin expecting the unexpected, that means the miracles that we are believing for and the miracles we are asking the Lord to do and see are bigger than the ones that we've already seen. Church, can you get a hold of that? You see the miracles. If you've been here, you heard of the miracle after miracle of financial things that God has done in the physical realm and healing that he's done. But what this is saying is we need to expect the unexpected. Even bigger, even greater things that God is going to go do. This is exciting to me. And then she goes on and gives the, the prayer of Jabez, which was like, "Come on. This was the exact Paul that, uh, prayer that Brother Paul gave us on the prayer of Jabez. So I'm just, this is just confirming what the Lord is doing. And then he heard that, that she heard the Lord whisper again, says, "My heart will go to a deeper level to learn the wisdom and how to steward the increase, how to steward the abundance." How to steward the great favor and provision for extending my kingdom to see the harvest come in. The Lord just told us <clears throat> you gotta start tithing the 10% on the generations. Because He's showing us how to begin to steward the resources that He is going to bring. This is exciting stuff. And then the last part here says this building will be stewarded, or building must be stewarded by moving in radical obedience. Radical obedience and embracing his wisdom. You're going to hear the word obedience a lot. Because this is what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to walk in obedience, which is trusting him. In every area of our life. I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking about every area. Our marriages, our relationships, every area. And I'm not going to read the rest of this, but basically the rest of it says there's going to be a mighty wave of justice... And that there is going to be a battle for the nations. There's going to be a battle for the nations. And that many nations, many tongues, many people will come to his church. And if you were here last week, there was a word from the Lord that we are putting the flags back up. We are going to embrace people who don't look exactly like us because God is doing a new thing. He is calling salvation to the nations. And we are going to be the conduit. We are going to be one of the conduits that does that in this town, in this city, in this place. These are the words from God. So what do we need to do as a people? What do we need to do? I want to go to Ephesians. I want to go to verse uh, chapter 1. And I want to go to verse 11. I know I'm going totally out of order, guys, of what I have there, but the Lord's just leading in this way. It says this. It says, in Him. Church, in Him. Our identity in Him. And if you read all the preceding verses here, it says what? It says that we are a saint. No longer a sinner. We are a saint who happens to sin periodically, but forgiven by the grace of God. Ephesians says that we are blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be empowered to prosper. It says we are a son and a daughter of the Most High, that we have been adopted and that we have been chosen. Do you understand that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God? I mean, this is when we can get a hold of this revelation of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, it will radically transform how we see ourselves. And what happens when we radically transform how we see ourselves, it radically transforms what we do. It transforms what we do. Earlier in Ephesians it says you are accepted, you are redeemed, you are forgiven, you are wise, you are knowledgeable, you are reconciled, and now it says, so all these things in him we have also Obtained an inheritance. Like, are you kidding me? Like, if, if all of this stuff wasn't enough, are you, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I've got wisdom, I've got knowledge to live this life, all of these things, and yet you still are giving me an inheritance. Right. Come on, church. It's like when the verse says everything for life and godliness. Yeah, this is everything for life and godliness. Turn with me there real quick. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power, church, his divine power, not your striving, not you trying harder. Sure, it's good. I mean, the Lord says we need to work, okay? If you don't work, you don't eat. Pretty sure the proverb says that, okay? Okay. So so there is some things in there, there's some practical wisdom that we need to take a hold of, but this is saying that, hold on a second, trust in me, trust in who I am, and what happens is, when you do that, he gives us all things that pertain to what? To life and godliness. All things to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse four says, and by which have been given to us exceedingly great precious promises, that through these you may be partakers, hallelujah, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust. He has an inheritance for each and every one of us. And that inheritance is made up of several different things. It's made up of health. It's made up of provision. It's made up over the financial needs being met. It's made up of a relationship needs being met. This inheritance is built on all of these things. Everything. What this word to, to me here in Second Peter says, it means we already have it. It says, in him, you have the inheritance. And I think too often we walk around waiting for the inheritance to show up. We walk around waiting for the inheritance to show up. And what the Lord is saying is, no, you already have the inheritance. You already have everything you need for life and godliness because of what I did. So begin to walk in it, to begin to walk like you actually have it. This is like the inheritance check being in the mailbox, but you never going to the mail to get it. It's already there. You already have it. But we walk around acting and thinking and speaking as if we don't, and the Lord needs to change this. When we see it this way, it begins to change our activity. What kind of activity are you talking about, Pastor Jason? What are you talking about? Well, let, turn to Matthew 28:18. What kind of activity is the Lord asking us to go do? This is a job description of like none you've probably read before. How many of you have read a job description? Come on now. You've seen job descriptions around. You go to, you go to okay, this is how job descriptions typically work. And I love the people who, who put their time and effort into them. I've written many. And you get a job description and you give it to someone and they read it on the first day they show up. And then most of the time the person never reads the job description again. And what happens is, is you begin to learn and understand what your real job is throughout the days, the weeks, and the months, and the years that you're in that job. And I would bet if we'd go back and read Uncle Don's job description that he was handed 20-some years ago when he started working here, it probably is says this and says that, but what he actually does, he knows is his job description. And I believe that's what the Lord is trying to show us here. He has a job description for us. Yes, we're called to be a father or a mother, Or a husband or a wife, but there are battles that he is asking us, calling us, demanding us to fight. And he has given us the inheritance, the ability, the identity to be able to do every one of them. Every single one of them. Matthew 28 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, What? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Here comes the job description because he's given us all the authority to do what he's asking us to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. How are you going to do this? He's with us always. How are we going to do it? Because he's always there with us. To the end of the age, amen. Mark 16, and starting in verse, I believe it's uh, 15. The next part of our job description, or maybe a, a, you know, page two of the job description says this. And he said to him, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons... They will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Church, this is a job description. It is a job description. It's like if you showed up and they said, this is your job description, go and do this. This is what he's asking us to do as a church, as, a, as believers, as those who have made him our Lord and Savior. If you go back and you look at Mark, it says, all authority it says to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them, and don't worry about how you're going to do it, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will speak through you. If you look at this portion in Mark, it says, go preach the gospel, cast out demons, speak in new tongues, lay hands on the sick. This is a job description, church, that he wants us to go do. Why? Why? Why are we to go do this? Because, church, the battle is not what we see. The battle is not against flesh and blood. The battle, the actual battle, the thing that we have to be concerned about the most is the principalities and powers of darkness. And I think the enemy has a great plan and purpose to distract us with the things of this world. He tries to distract us. Now, moms, dads, Spouses, I'm not saying to walk and always talking in spiritual things and never do anything practical. Hey, we're never going to go out on a date because guess what, guys? We can't go out on a date because I have to go pray in the Spirit and cast out demons somewhere. No, guys, there is a practical piece of living this life that God has put in front of you. In fact, the discipleship part has a lot of practical pieces to it, and we're not going to get into that, but next week I'll probably start talking more about the practical piece of what it means to disciple. What does it mean to be part of a royal family? What, What does a royal family do? How does a royal family family act and I want to get into that next week but what he's saying here is there are things we need to go do that we are distracted by other good things he has called you to fight spiritual battles at the place where you work at the place where you go to school kids who go to high school or middle school who are sitting in here do you don't think that God has plans and purposes that he and battles that he wants you to fight when you walk through those doors you say, well, you know, I, you know, I don't have time to do this. You know how important your devotional time would be to you if you truly believed that you were about to fight a battle the moment you walked onto your school's campus? You'd be like, I need to be ready for this. How many of us, when we go to our jobs, are like, ah, you know, I'll get to that. Maybe I'll do it later. Maybe I'll just say a quick prayer before I get there. If you were going into a battle, would you not take some armor with you? Would you not take a sword with you? You absolutely would. This is what we are called to do. This is the battles we have to fight. You see, there is injustice in this world. And I believe that it's time. It is time for the church to stop abdicating its responsibility and giving it to other places. The world is expecting and waiting for the church to, well, they're maybe not be expecting it, but they are waiting for someone to take the authority and to change the course of this nation, to change the course of this world. And we, as Christians, as believers, every single one of you have a part to play in that. We cannot sit here any longer and be quiet. We cannot call church just a place where we go to and we sit down and we sing a couple good songs and we leave a message and it doesn't change what we do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every single day of the week. Every single day of the week. And I'm sorry, we we look to government to solve problems that the church should be solving. We say, oh, there's crime in our cities and we need the government. We need to have a better police force. We need. No, we don't. Church, we do not. It is up to us, the believers, to be able to walk in those neighborhoods and cast out demons, lay hands on the sick to transform people's lives. That is what we need to do. This is our job description. And we sit around and we wonder, well, I can't believe this is happening. We are allowing it to happen. We have some screwed up view that, well, that's, well God, I don't know. God's, no, the enemy is doing it, and he has given us authority to take authority over the enemy and to cast him out and to transform our city. Absolutely, you should care about who we vote for. You should understand the candidates. You should understand the principles and the, and the issues that they have. But do not look to the government to fix the problem that he has called the church to fix. It is. Church, I'm telling you. We, we think the government needs to fix poverty. No, the church needs to fix poverty. The church needs to invest and disciple those who are having challenges and raise them up in what the Word says about financial matters. How to steward their money. How to radically change their life. Like, oh, well, the government will take care of that. They're trying. How's it working? <laughs> it really isn't going to work all that great because it's not actually their responsibility. It's ours as the church. There are so many things that the word says about what the church's responsibility is, and we've given it to others. Train up your child in the way they should... Oh, boy, I'll tell you, what time is it? Maybe I should... Again, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Train up the child in the way they should go. Parents, we send our kids public school, private school... We send them all over the place to get trained in ballet and all this other stuff. No, 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 no. The Word says you train up the child in the way they should go. It is your primary responsibility to disciple that child, to train up that child, for them to understand the Word of God. It is not the Erie School District. It is not Leadership Christian Academy. I'm sorry. You can partner with them. You can send them to a place where God is asking you to send them to. But it's your responsibility as parents, to train up your child in the way they should go. I truly believe that this church, in partnering with other churches, this divine alignment, is going to see this city radically changed for Christ. I'm glad that, there's a, that we have this amazing prayer breakfast that we went to, and there are churches from all over gathering and fighting this battle And what I love is that they're taking some statistics. Because I love statistics. I was an engineer by background. And I love it because it's a baseline for us to see what God is doing in our city. There's a baseline of poverty level. There's a baseline of crime. There's a baseline of all these things that the Lord is going to begin to transform when his church rises up and does what it's called to do when the people sitting in these pews get up and do the job description that God has called them to do, to cast out demons, to pray, to read his word, to declare the things. Did we not declare this morning some certain things over our life? Well, we want to declare those things over this city, over this county, and what God is going to do. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your transforming power. Father, I thank you, Lord, that in you, we have obtained an inheritance. We've obtained everything we need to fight this battle that is before us. And so many of us come and think of our inheritance of generational sickness and sin and challenges that our parents went through But what the Lord is saying today is there's a new inheritance in Christ Jesus that we need to understand and to be aware of. So, Father, I pray that each and every one of us here begins to truly seek and understand the job in the spiritual realm that you have given them. They may understand their job as a maintenance leader, as a CEO, as a business owner, even as a mom or as a dad, as a student. But Father, I pray that in parallel to that, you will renew our minds of the job description that we have in the spiritual realms. The job description that you have given us to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick, to disciple the nations, to see lives radically transformed for Christ. So Lord, as we take on this job description, I pray you continue to give us strength. You continue to give us vision. You continue to use us as we walk in obedience to you. And Father, we thank you for provision in our lives. We thank you, Father, for the harvest that is coming. We thank you for prophetic voices and words spoken over this church. And over our family lives that will come to pass in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the debt on this property is paid in full. I thank you that the debt in people's lives who are sitting here is paid in full. Father, I thank you that even now, as we're closing in prayer, you are ministering healing right now in the name of Jesus. Father, that word provision is everything we need for the journey. And some of us need physical healing this morning. Father, thank you for touching their physical bodies this morning. And Father, we take the authority given to us in the name of Jesus, and we say to sickness you must go. Poverty you must go. Fear you must go. Lack you must go. Depression you must go. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we worship you this morning. With all that we are. And all of you created us to be. We worship you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Small group leaders, if you want to make your way up front here. uh, These small group leaders are going to be up here. They can pray for anything specific in your life if it's a financial need, if it's healing, if it's whatever it might be, they'll be up here to pray for you. And I just want to read this scripture over to you as a benediction. It's out of Romans 15. It says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, unity, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful afternoon. You are dismissed.
0: Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.